One. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Figuring It Out. Uh, sorry if you hear my dog. He is uh, sitting right next to me right now, sighing very loudly. So I apologize for that. Um, I'm excited, man. Um, we haven't done this in a couple of weeks. We got a couple of in the hole, but people don't know that. So I'm just putting that out there. And I have to say that my dad held his own in the yes in the slang off, and he tied you, which is kind uh, of sad. But I'm also proud of him. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm more disappointed in myself or more impressed by your dad. I haven't decided. I don't know. Your dad's a pretty cool guy, so I'm not really surprised. I think he just he's got pretty. Got he's lucky. pretty with it. He got pretty lucky, I think. But you think? Oh, I don't know, man. That's pretty fun. Um, I'm excited. Uh, it's been a great. It's great to get back. We've not like I said, we haven't done this in a few weeks, and um. You guys have not noticed any laps in our content because we're Josh playing so eloquently ahead. So thank you for that. But uh, man, a little disappointing though. Uh, I had Gonzaga winning my bracket and that was, for those of you that are listening to this, that was just like the most utter uh, biggest shock. I think I would have imagined that game to turn out to be. The final four was one of the best college games I've ever seen. And the national championship was seemed like one of the most lopsided games I've seen. Yeah. I mean, you lost by 16. Yeah. And like, just got out like a 29 to 10 star. Yeah. I think what happened was they rode off such an emotional high from the final four. Like they were getting so much clout from yeah. um, celebrities and athletes and stuff like that, that I think that they peaked. And then they kind of forgot that, oh, yeah, in two days, we have to follow this up with another game. Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, part of it is they were, you know, they hadn't lost a game all year, so they had never really, yeah, not that they hadn't been right. tested, but, like, you know, people kind of expected that they would win. So, I don't know. I was just shocked that you've gone undefeated all season, and then you get to the national championship game, and you don't even lead a single, at any single second of the game. They did not lead. Think I didn't realize that. that. I had, yeah, I had they, didn't, they did not lead at any point during the game. I believe it though, because yeah, that was just brutal. They, they made it at least somewhat of a game at some points, like early in the second half um, where I was like, Oh, okay, well maybe this is worth watching. But man, that was tough. I'm just, I'm really surprised that they were able to crank out a season. I know it was um, not the most conventional season where some teams, like I heard at, at one point, I think Baylor took like three weeks off um, mm -hmm. and there was, a lot of inconsistency throughout, but the fact that they were able to um, put that all in one location and only one team not being one game through. Yeah. That's yeah, Oregon, right? No. Uh, whoever Oregon had to play. I can't remember who it was now, but yeah, Oregon advanced against the team. Um, yeah, I can't it was remember. like VCU or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's right. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed that, you know, they were able to keep the protocols and check enough to be able to do that. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of a good segue into tonight's topic, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so we've got my lovely wife, Molly, here. Hi. Hi, Molly. Um, we are talking about COVID tonight, and I think that's a really it, – it. we kind of planned this out when we were going to do it, but we didn't really plan when we were going to do it, I guess, like as far as time-wise. And I think it's a good time because it's a good time for reflection, a good time to kind of figure out where we've been, where we are, and kind of where we're going. And we're about one year into COVID. I mean, for the most part, we are about right on a year, honestly. Uh, it was about this time last year that I remember getting an email uh, to be sent home uh, for due to COVID. And then, you know, they're like, ah, this might be like a month, guys. Like, don't worry about it. This is just a temporary thing. And here we are a year later and we're still working from home uh, to some capacity. So 
I think it kind of took us all by storm. Like, I don't think anybody expected it. And it's a year later. Yeah. And I think when people hear just the word now, they're like, oh God, here we go. Um, and it's just like, here, here's another discussion. But I think what's going to be interesting about kind of our chats tonight is with talking to Molly and you will do a better uh, justice. You'll do better justice in introducing her and Molly, you'll do a lot better than I can even try to. But I think, and you being here tonight and just gaining your perspective um, and how you've kind of navigated through it, um, I think will be eye-opening for one. And I think it'll put a lot um, more perspective in our listeners' ears tonight of what it's really like to be on the front line um, throughout this pandemic. Um, and then even just us discussing, you know, the next couple of months, what that looks like. I don't know um, about you all, but got the vaccine, so we can talk about that a little bit too. Um, so yeah, but I, I want to hear from Molly. So yeah, absolutely. So just a little bit of a background for those of you who don't know, uh, Molly, we have, we've already said is my wife. Um, she is amazing, but she not only is an amazing wife, but she is an amazing personality and the fact of she likes to help people. So uh, what she does now is amazing. I think it's what you've got a bachelor's in biological sciences. If I got that right, look at that. Um, I'm feeling great that I actually remember that this time. Um, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know a lot of pressure, like right off the top of my cuff. So I kind of want to preface this conversation by saying none of this has been like staged. Molly has no idea kind of what we're talking about tonight. So there might be times when we ask Molly a question and just due to the nature of her job and things that she has to do. Um, and obviously she has, uh, uh, you know, to protect her, what, her entity of that she works for. So there might be things that we ask her that she might say, I can't really talk about that. So that's not Molly being snubbish. That's just kind of her protecting her, her job. So uh, Molly works for the Ohio state university. Um, I'm going to kind of, and I'll kind of let her talk about that here in a moment, but she's been doing that for a couple of years now, which almost three. So she's been kind of doing this whole COVID thing since the beginning and has kind of got to see that, how that's progressed on the front lines from a hospital perspective to where we are now. So without uh, further ado, uh, I'm gonna let you kind of introduce yourself, sweetie. Okay. Um, hi, like Pat said, my name is Molly. Um, I do have a bachelor's degree in biological sciences. Um, my specialty was pre-medicine, thinking about going to medical school, but um, probably not now, but we'll see. Um, but right now, like Patrick said, I work for the Ohio State University Western Medical Center. Obviously, I do not speak for the medical center in any way, um, but I am just sharing my personal experience and what it has been like um, from life before the pandemic and then during, obviously, uh, the pandemic and then maybe seeing the end of um, the tunnel with some light from the vaccinations. Um, so I work in surgical pathology. Um, so for those of you that do not know everything that comes from surgery, um, we are the people that receive that process, the tissue that has come from surgery. Also, we are the people in charge of um, all of the morgue operations, um, which has been, <clears throat> excuse me, um, which has been very eye-opening in regards to the pandemic because we know there has been such a large loss of life there. Um, so I have a specific um, view of this because I do not, most of the time I do not have direct patient care. Um, I'm not patient facing often, um, if at all. So I do have a different perspective. I have not been in the COVID units themselves and I'm not patient facing. Sorry, our cat is meowing. <laughs> um, 
But so I just have a little bit of a different perspective, obviously, than the nurses that are in the COVID units. Um, but it is kind of, I have a morbid view of the pandemic because of our position um, with the morgue. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So I guess I get, that kind of leads me into a segue now that Molly has kind of introduced herself and kind of given herself her credentials. Um, again, I guess I got want to reiterate everything we talk about here tonight in no way are we um, expressing the views that Ohio, Univers Ohio State University holds. These are just our own personal views, but that was just to give kind of a background of where Molly comes from. Um, I guess my first question on that is, and you kind of talked about how you've seen some changes when you think about your job and great, great. Of course, Nala is going to go psycho the moment we get on this call. So sorry, everybody. My cat. Yeah, is really yeah great cat. So I guess my question being, um, do you having had your job beforehand and then going into COVID, do you view the role of your job any differently than you did kind of pre COVID? Do you review your responsibilities any differently? I don't know if I see my responsibilities any differently because our responsibility has always been obviously to give, even though I'm not patient facing, we still give, I have lots of patient care aspects, even though I'm not seeing the patient. Um, so I don't think our responsibilities have changed, but maybe the way we do our jobs have changed a decent amount, especially in regards to the morgue. Um, we have had to innovate a lot of, and everything has changed. That's the thing is in regards to COVID, as everyone knows, when it first came about, it was like, we don't know how long this is going to happen for. We don't know how um, how easy it spread. Is it spread through I'm touching the door handle and then I'm wiping my face, um, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. And also we didn't know, like, can you catch it from, sorry, this is kind of morbid, but that's also just the aspect of my job. Can you catch it from a dead body? Can you catch it from um someone's organs because that's specifically what I deal with so it's just always been like we are learning from day to day and week to week and at one point there was <clears throat> a point that we were doing our jobs and we thought we were protecting ourselves as much as we could and then clinical epidemiology was like oh just kidding you actually need to make sure you're doing things a different way because you have been exposing yourself this whole time so that was kind of difficult. And I mean, if I'm just being honest, myself and also lots of other healthcare workers, we've come home crying multiple nights through this whole thing. Because um, it's scary that you were doing your job and you thought you were being safe and being protected. And then we don't know anything about it. And then come to find out you have been exposing yourself. And then also in our case, Thankfully, it's just Patrick and we don't have kids yet or anything, um, but there was lots of nurses and doctors and all the other healthcare professionals that were separated from their families. And I mean, I remember coming home and being concerned that I had exposed you just because I was doing my job and we learned more about the virus and we realized we had been exposing ourselves the whole time. So, hmm. yeah. And I think that's an important point you just kind of brought up there, though, I think. And I think you speak for a lot of probably the fears um, that a lot of people had. I mean, I, I remember early on when the kind of the COVID thing hit, there were a lot of people that were getting really angry with healthcare workers because it was like, there was so much uncertainty, healthcare workers and everything was changing. Um, and I think that's a really important point that as time has kind of gone on, that's obviously docile down a lot. Like people are being more sympathetic to our, our frontline staff and understanding that we're all uh, in a, we were all in a position where we really didn't know what was happening from day to day. 
And I think that's important to, to kind of recognize that just because someone is in the field doesn't mean that they know everything that's happening. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, maybe our brain does it as it does with other traumatic experiences where it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and delete that off the hard drive. So you don't have to relive it. But I think as we've stacked the days, we forget about what you were saying, Molly, about it, is it touch? Is it airborne? Those sorts of things. And while a lot of us, Pat, I know for a while you weren't able to, but I went home pretty much immediately and I was working remotely. Um, I know you eventually did that and you did that for a while, but Molly, was there any point where you were doing anything remotely or was everything um, in person? So the hard thing is, is specifically for obviously, so my job, again, most of pathology is, is either the morgue standpoint or um this issue that comes from the surgeries that are happening um so obviously we can't do that at home um so but there was a, a stand and it was there was a meme to be in with it was like oh the whole world is shutting down and it was a joke of like we ride at dawn like the healthcare workers because we had no idea what we were walking into mm -hmm. and it was like the whole rest of the world is okay we're working from home we're transitioning and the healthcare workers are gearing up of we're basically going in at that point we were going into a war that we had no idea what was happening we had no idea how to protect ourselves we had no idea how us going to work was going to impact our family members or the other people we were in contact with um so and i vividly remember like we had to get refitted for our N95. So in order for an N95 to fit you properly, you have to have a fit test um, that a, someone that has been specifically trained to fit test you, you put on the N95 mask and you have to do these tests to make sure that the seal fits properly, blah, 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 blah. And we, one of my best friends from work and I, we I woke up at 5 a.m. and drove to the hospital. I didn't have to be at work till 9.30 or 10. And I got up that early to make sure I was one of the first people in line to be fitted for my N95 because I knew that that was something that we had to do um, because we didn't know there was so much demand and we didn't know if we were going to be able to get masks. Um, we at one point went through a glove shortage and it's just been very crazy. So go, sorry, but going back to your question, um, there was a time that surgeries, as most of the public probably remember that if, unless it was life-threatening, um, the surgeries were, um, delayed until further notice. So obviously the elective surgeries that limited the work that we had, um, so there were times that I was actually the first person of my um, unit deployed to the COVID-19 task force. Um, so I did work from home for a small amount of time, um, but I was tasked with being the lead for um, one of the COVID um, resulting teams that we had to figure out, okay, now we have all these COVID tests in where the people that have to like call the units or call the facilities to tell them the positive results. Um, and we worked with Ohio Department of Rehab and Corrections and all these other things. Um, so I worked with that for a little bit. And then also then we were deployed to the morgue because we had so many bodies that we had to have extra people to transport bodies through for the morgue and all these other things. Um, so 
we did not have the opportunity to work from home that most other people did. And I think that also adds to the trauma of it. Um, and I think it'll be interesting as we are on the other side of this to see how the trauma of the pandemic affects the world, but also specifically the healthcare workers that have gone yeah. through it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important. I think that's important too, because I think when you talk about trauma, you know, we, we know um, for the most part, when people have trauma, they don't experience, not that they don't experience the issue, but they don't necessarily experience what we consider trauma in the moment that the trauma is happening. Right. It's often after the fact when they have a chance to kind of come off of that fight or flight response where they're right. done scrambling. So now that we're kind of coming off of this, people are getting vaccinated. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of, as you pointed out, Molly, like over the next year, the next six, six months, when we have a little bit less of this pandemic crisis going like the on fight the fight or flight like how many how do we see our healthcare professionals that have been on the front lines of this battling it for over a year how do they mentally take all that in and start to really kind of comprehend really what the hell they've been through for the last you know year or by the time this happens the last year and a half and i think that that'll be i hope we have uh like you know social workers in place for that because yeah. i think there's going to be a lot people that are just gonna have, feel that like oh that like relief but also that exhaustion mm -hmm. that's gonna set in and then just kind of experiencing all the and especially the frontline workers you know that maybe the nurses like mm -hmm. all the people that they've seen to, to have to go through some of the morbid things unfortunately that comes yeah. with covid yeah um what is that gonna do and what's that gonna look like for those people and especially like yes technically i'm a frontline healthcare worker obviously i work in the hospital every day but the nurses and doctors specifically on the covid units that i had was communicating these results to it was like even me calling them to give them the results of their patients was it felt like it was a bother to them like I got multiple times that obviously they were not intentionally trying to be rude to me because we're all on the same team but even just me communicating the COVID results to them on the phone when I was working um, as the lead for that it was you could tell just even from their voices how tired they were and I cannot fathom like I deal with it from the morgue perspective, um, but I can't fathom watching all of these people die without their family members and the toll that that has on them and also the amount of hours they worked. And that's the thing is like hats off to the nurses and the physicians that have been taking care of them because yeah. I just can't even, even being a part of it, I cannot imagine. that's something I was going to ask you, Molly, because I think we, uh, whatever your job is, you kind of become like an expert in that job, that field, you kind of surround yourself sometimes with those people. And that's kind of like what your waking hours are. Um, and sometimes we just don't have the time to like understand what's going on outside of our bubble. Um, and we might think we do. So like, I think about with athletes, we're always like, we tell them how they'd be much better at their jobs. <laughs> oh yeah. Have no idea what it'd be like to be in that job. Um, so it's tough when you're in it every day, cause it's just what you do every day, but can mm -hmm. you try to the best of your ability to paint a picture of what you were seeing as you were walking into the hospital, um, or just in your day to day? So like, the average person that is not in your position um, or in the environment that you're in, what is um, something that you maybe you become you became numb to or something that just seemed common but was such it'd be so mind blowing to someone? Yeah, so I guess I'll specifically talk about 
life towards the beginning of the pandemic because actually my coworkers and I were like reflecting slash joking about, oh, remember when we thought this was going to be a couple months? Like, remember when it was cute when they put the, the face mask on the Brutus statues at the top, at the front of the building? Remember when that was funny? And it's like, life is completely different than what we ever expected it would be a year plus from now. Um, but so I, the way OSU works is I parking wise, um, I ride a bus. Um, I park a couple miles from the hospital and then I, the healthcare workers, not everyone, but a lot of us ride a bus, um, into the hospital. And actually when they said no more visitors, all of that is completely shut off. They opened the parking garages to us. Um, so I remember vividly, like just a normal day, like that I would go park in the parking garage that was right beside the hospital, which is completely opposite of what normal life is because normally we park miles from the hospital and ride a bus. Um, so it was like very eerie, quiet. And then mm-hmm. everyone's putting their mask on. But also at that point, we were still putting our masks in paper bags. And now it's like you stuff it in your pocket and it's wrinkled and disaster. But it was like, we didn't know if your mask being in your pocket was going to contaminate you. Um, you had to be really careful of everything you were touching in the hospital because you didn't, I mean, still now, um, but you had to be careful of every single thing you were doing. Um, and then also like just talking to the professionals, um, like in the elevators and stuff that was difficult because we all have completely different jobs. We see everything that's different. Um, but specifically for me, I remember when I was being trained of how to move, because obviously my job isn't patient facing. So I have a completely different aspect of it, but being trained to move COVID bodies through the tunnels. Um, and one of my colleagues, cause we all served the people in charge of doing autopsies and we had to figure out how we were going to do autopsies on COVID bodies without contaminant, like giving ourselves COVID and all these things. Um, so like all of seeing all the bodies and that they were double bagged and they have these um, signs on them and moving how we were going to move them and how we were going to load them and like all these things. But now being on this other side, it's like, that is not normal. Um, so, and then also at one point, like right before Christmas, we had to have a semi to put bodies in because we had didn't have enough room so that's I think is like the trauma that's like oh no it was every single it was just normal life then versus what is completely normal which is not that yeah I think yeah go ahead sorry Josh I'm just gonna say like and you mentioning how it seemed just like oh it's like another day knowing that you know the weight of it but you just became so inundated with the everyday that you had to keep pushing Mm -hmm. through but then you think like every single person that was in that semi, for example, they never would have expected that being how it ends for them and their families. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just, yeah, that's so much to sit with. It's- and also it's even more to sit with knowing that more than likely every single one of those patients that sadly died from COVID more than likely died alone. Yeah. I mean, they didn't die alone. There was the ner- like the amazing healthcare workers that were with them 
Um, but the fact that their final goodbyes with their family was probably over FaceTime on a nurse's phone. Mm-hmm. And that I think just adds a whole nother level to the trauma and everything that has come from the pandemic. Even if you personally have not been impacted by it, it's just knowing that there are plenty of people, hundreds of thousands of people that died from this horrible virus and that more than likely they died by themselves. And then we were even then scared of their bodies because we didn't know yeah how that was going to impact the living yeah yeah i mean i think that's a really weird point that you kind of brought up when you talk about the trauma too i, I guess i never really thought about that until like at this point but I, i'm just pulling a number here so don't quote me on this but there's been like what like a half a million plus people or something like that that have died from covid or something crazy like number like that yeah and when you think about that especially early on you know people not being allowed to see their friends and loved ones in nursing homes or in hospitals mm-hmm. and when you think about all those lives lost and you think about the fact that typically when you pass away, I wouldn't say always, but for the most part, you're surrounded by your loved ones. You're surrounded by your, your friends, your family, you know, that they can come and see you kind of pay their last respects to you. Or at least you have that opportunity. Right. You have that opportunity, but could you, and I just want to paint the picture, not to be morbid for a moment, but in the spirit of kind of understanding the weight of what the last year has brought. I mean, could you imagine being a healthcare worker and saying that there's like a half a million people that have passed away and the weight that it holds on you as a nurse, knowing how many, I mean, just imagine how tough as it is to see your loved one pass away and you have to kind of be that last person to be with them imagine being a healthcare worker who's doing that day in and day out like seeing people die every day and you're kind of like the last so to speak face that they see mm-hmm. um but also knowing that they want to see their loved friends and family and loved ones but they can't and mm-hmm. I, I just can't imagine the weight that that holds knowing i would say weight but i would also say knowing the kind of like at the end of that you can see that and also in a bright light that you had that opportunity to be hopefully if you're a good nurse uh, or, or doctor to be that bright light, at least in the, the tunnel to be there for that person. But yeah. that's a lot of weight to hold to know that you're seeing this many people and being kind of like that last base they see. So, um, yeah, I think that's just a crazy thing when you really put it in that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think if we take one thing from this, it's that life is fragile and mm-hmm. we don't know from day to day what's going to happen even if there wasn't a pandemic you could walk out the door and you could have a heart attack you could be in a car wreck like we don't know what each day is going to hold but then when we add a global pandemic to it it's like do the little things that you are so upset about or the little things that frustrate you or even if it is frustrating for you that you have to wear a mask or whatever it may be it's like does that really hold the weight that hundreds of thousands of people have died by themselves and then the trauma that it's put on our healthcare workers specifically the nurses and the other people that have held these people's hands and done their absolute best to make sure that they had some compassion and some love even if they were complete strangers at the beginning of their shift like the nurses went through and did every single thing they could for them and the doctors as well, um, just to make sure that they were treated with respect. And it's just like, what is the little things that you're upset about really worth when it comes to what your end could be? Yeah, absolutely. And when you, um, when you say that, and you think about the last year, and then you think about where we currently are, how things are going, and as you look forward, do you have hope? I know that's a really broad question. It's kind of like a dead fish on your lap, but. <laughs> I mean, I think compared to where we were a year ago, 
and the knowledge we didn't have. And obviously, like Patrick said, my degree is in science. So I'm a science gal through and through, but I have hope because of science, honestly. And I know some people disagree and that's completely fine. Um, but I, I also like hats off to our healthcare workers and our nurses and our doctors, but also the people that have been working on vaccine science and all of the other things for years before the pandemic. And especially the, the scientists that have been working tirelessly mm. to try to find the light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, but I think I do have hope because recently we have been able, like we know more about COVID now, obviously, um, so which that is helpful in life in general, but also finally we're on the downward trend and who knows if we will stay on the downward trend depending on people wearing masks and getting vaccinated and it's a multifaceted situation. But now that we have visitors back in the hospital, it was very strange being in the hospital and the only, like there were months that the only people I saw were people with OSC badges. Like the only people that we saw were the people that worked there, which normally when you walk through a hospital, you see family members and even like random people there for an appointment or whatever else. And it was, you only saw people that work there because the patients that were there were inpatient in a room and they were only there because they absolutely had to be there. Um, so the fact that we have patients back in our hospitals, it was great that the cafeteria line was short, but <laughs> now it's just like, there's hope again. Um, I mean, obviously who knows where we're going to go from here, but also the fact of being vaccinated. I have some people disagree with the vaccine and um, that is your own personal choice and opinion. But um, the fact that we have some hope and the vaccination um, and obviously mask wearing and the knowledge we have about COVID. I do think there is hope. We will see where we go from here and COVID is a nasty virus and it can mutate. So we'll see. Um, but I think there is way more hope than where we were a year ago. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, it's weird how you your, your view of all of it just changes. Cause I, I remember throughout the pandemic, um, Holly and I would talk about how, you know, numbers would be going up, um, but you at the same time know more about it and how to avoid it and the, the right things to do. Um, so you weren't as scared about it. Like, I feel like at first I was just so scared about the unknown and mm -hmm. then it became like, okay, now I got to get used to this new normal. And then I kind of got used to the new normal, um, so it's just weird how there's all these progressions and your mind is constantly bending and flexing and trying to figure out what is right from wrong and up from down and that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, a year ago, we were wiping down our groceries. Yeah, that's the perfect <laughs> example right there. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is we were like, we were wiping down our groceries. We were afraid to go in the grocery store. And obviously there's risk everywhere and COVID is not a joke and you still need to be wearing your mask and all of the things. But yeah, a year ago we were wiping down every single one of, and like leaving our mail outside just because who knows if the mailman had COVID and obviously it's still a possibility, but <laughs> compared to where we were, we're not wiping our milk anymore. So that yeah. counts for something. Yeah, that's right. We're making progress as a species. <laughs> <laughs> we stopped wearing gloves and we started wearing masks. So yeah, 
Well, and then also like I vividly remember even before the uh, like coronavirus was in the United States, one of um, our PAs, her family actually was living in Wuhan at the time when it was, when it had first started. And I vividly remember in January, right before Chinese New Year, that she was telling me about how her family was locked in because of this strange virus and that they didn't know how they were going to get groceries into the city because the city was barricaded. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Like what is happening in China? Yeah. And that was as like healthcare workers were like, what is happening? Like, I'm very sorry for your family, but this is crazy town. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, this isn't fun, like closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I remember like we used to have masks at every door. It's like, if you have the flu or have a cough before COVID, they asked you to put a mask on. So you weren't spreading aerosol in the air. And right when COVID first started, all of a sudden, all of the masks were gone and we couldn't find masks. Mm -hmm. And then it was, there's no masks. You need to keep your mask for as long as you possibly can. Um, And we didn't have N95s. Then we had to, Battelle went through and was doing the sterilization and you had to be careful the way you were using it. And now, I mean, thankfully we, the PPE situation has gotten much better, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, a year ago or a little over a year ago, we were like, what is going on in China? And then we were wiping down our groceries, but thankfully because of science, I think we're closer to the end of the tunnel than what we ever have been. Hallelujah. Yeah. So um, my other question too, because you were talking about this earlier a little bit and so were you Pat and for either of you, um, have you noticed either in work or out of work, just in social, social gatherings, whether it be church or going to the store or the gym or whatever, do you find yourself now kind of used to what the new normal was for a year? Um, and it's going to take you a minute to get back to whatever, like I, I was, uh, Holly and I were watching Shit's Creek the other night. And this, this episode is from four years ago and they're in the hospital and I'm like, where the hell are all the masks? Like, I'm like, I just like have no. a panic attack. See, it's not even in the hospital, like episodes that I'm like, whoa, hold on, ma'am. Six feet, where is your mask? Right. Your mask to be over your nose. I'm like, do you not care about yourself? But I'm like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> this was five years ago. Yeah, yeah, that or like old sporting events. You see videos of people like in New York doing just anything in New York because it's so congested there. Um, and then I think I went to dinner with, um, her family at a restaurant for the first time in a while. Um, and it, it was, it was spaced out and we actually were in a private, uh, like party room situation where it was just the family, but I felt so overwhelmed. And when I left, I was like, man, I feel like I just ran a marathon because I I was just Mm -hmm. so not used to like walking into a group of people, like walking through all these people, um just like the social interaction all of it I felt like a kid like trying to learn everything all over again so have you guys noticed that at all yourself um yeah some of it I think as we start to turn back to normal specifically now you're like oh that's weird like why are we doing that yeah well I remember a couple weeks after I got vaccinated um we went to the trek in Newark Mm -hmm. at the brewery and 
there was like booths that were set back to back to each other but there was a barrier in between us like it wasn't like we were up smack dab against someone but the couple behind us sat in the booth behind us and I was like oh my goodness and I was I was so stressed out Pat's like Molly you're vaccinated and then I was like it doesn't matter it's not going to change anything they're breathing the same air as I am and also I've been in the hospital for the past like years so I don't know why I was concerned like obviously but I was and Pat's like Molly you're vaccinated you're okay but also it's just I feel like it's anxiety now because that's what we have been accustomed to Mm-hmm. It's just like how to begin with it was very, very weird. But once you do something for a certain amount of time, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is I think it's going to be hard to get back into post-pandemic life. Like what is our new normal going to look like? I know. Are I we know. going to, and that's the question is, are we going to continue to wear a mask in public just because it's good like hygiene? Like in especially Asian countries, it was it's very normal for them to wear masks, especially during flu season and whatever else. And that's also, it's normal hygiene, especially in the hospital setting, that if someone has the flu or they come in the ED and they have a cough or whatever, it has always been normal practice that you ask them to put a mask on. Yes. Um, and in the, in the ORs, we always, everyone has to wear a mask because obviously you don't want someone, the surgeon to have a cough and then they're coughing into your abdominal cavity. That's just normal, like safe hygiene practices. So it'll be interesting to see in a post-pandemic life as close as post-pandemic life is what we're going to be able to get what our new normal is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So weird to think about. And it's probably going to take, I mean, it's going to take a minute for that to get, and everyone's going to be on their own time frame with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's going to be super weird. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I was going to say, one question I guess I have, because I know we're kind of getting up on our time here a little bit, because we try to keep these a little short. And I know up to this point, we've been like rather negative because COVID, unfortunately, for like the last nine to 10 months has been the most negative thing we could talk about. Imagine, uh, I, I mean, but it's like, you know, been kind of nicer the last two, two months. Yeah. We've been over here positive, you know, numbers going down, things like that kind of going good. Mm-hmm. I guess my question to you, you Molly, um, from your perspective in a, in a hospital healthcare worker perspective or Josh, in your perspective, um, with all that negativity, I'm a person who likes to try to find some of the positives that have come of that. So I guess my question is from all that negativity and all the things that we've learned over the last year, what is something positive that you've kind of learned or taken away from that um, that you kind of hope we continue as we go into this new post COVID life? I mean, I think it's very easy to say, Oh, you find the things that really truly matter. Obviously being busy and adding all of, I feel like it's American culture, but also just maybe just culture in general right now that it's like, Oh, how are you doing? Oh, staying busy. Oh, I'm just busy as normal every. And we sometimes I think wear that as a badge of honor that it's like, oh, I'm busy, but is busy a good thing? Mm-hmm. And being busy with the things that truly set your heart on fire or set your soul on fire. And that's the thing is I think this has made us take a step back and be like, okay, where are my actual priorities? What are the things that bring me joy? Um, what are the things that truly matter to me? If I'm going to, if I know that I only have a certain amount of days left on this earth, which we all have a certain amount of days, we don't know how many days those may be. It may be a couple, it may be tomorrow, it may be 60 years from now, who knows? But if we only have a certain number of those days, are we filling the busyness 
of what we are doing every single day? Are they things that at the end of our life or are we going to say, oh yeah, me being busy gave my life purpose? Did it make me happier? And are the things that I filled my hours with something that gave me joy? Mm -hmm. Did I give back to other people and things like that? And I think that's really what has made us step back and be like, okay, what actually truly matters in life? Because in life in general, we only have our friends, our family, and our health. Yeah. And any of those things can easily be taken away at any moment in time. And we need to, I think personally, it's like, we need to realize how lucky we are to have things such as our health or our family or our friends or the things that truly bring us joy because life is short and you could, you could get COVID and you could end up dying in a hospital by yourself with a nurse holding your hand. And the question is, is however many years you have lived, did you fill those years with what you what truly mattered and also when you are on your deathbed god forbid it be because of covid or because old age and you're 80 years old and surrounded by your family is are you going to be happy when you look back at your life or is it going to be filled with oh i was just i was staying busy mm-hmm. and i think this has really made us like take a step back and say what does busy mean and is it necessarily a good thing mm. yeah that's what i was going to say too pat that I feel like before COVID, I had a lot of filler and Mm. I'm an anxious person. And um, a lot of times when I'm feeling anxious, I would fill my time and preoccupy my mind with just whatever to keep Mm. wheels turning. And I had to slow down during COVID, didn't have a choice. So the first couple of weeks were not easy, but then I realized that I was much more intentional with everything and Mm -hmm. my life became a lot more fuller. Um, which I think that it completely retrained me in a lot of ways. I also saved a lot of money, (laughs) which doesn't hurt either. So I think, um, having to slow down, um, finding joy in the really small things and making fun instead of like trying to find fun or like buy fun, um, Mm -hmm. was super beneficial. And I think that there are certain events that happen, um, for better or worse that completely define generations and, even if it's not like a generation, it completely defines um, kind of a bookmark in your life that will forever change the trajectory of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we can take those little nuggets and not forget them as we start to go back into more of a normal, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. When I think Josh, like the thing you said was being intentional. And it's just like, we need to be intentional with our time, intentional with our resources, intentional with our health Mm -hmm. and just being intentional that at the end of it, we're going to be proud of the life we lived. And I think that's what COVID has shown us is tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that you're intentional with the time you have today. Absolutely. And I think part of that kind of what I guess I've learned from all of this is we've got we as a society and i personally think i have taken this on we've got to learn to ask better questions of ourselves Mm -hmm. and not just of ourselves personally i mean we've got to do that but we've got to ask better questions of those around us and we've got to be more intentional about those questions that we're asking because we do have a kind of a moral obligation to one another you know um covid has obviously been a very stressful time for a lot of people and people have said things in 
haste or an anger that they didn't necessarily mean to say, but it's kind of forced me to take a step back and say, ask a better question. Okay. But what's happened to that person that's causing them to be in that situation? Because before COVID, I would have snapped on that person and been like, what the hell's your problem, bro? You got a problem? So I think it just forces us to ask better questions of like what's happened to people to be more empathetic and more hopefully more sympathetic to, to what people might be going through. Um, you know, people losing their jobs and people, you know, not knowing how they're going to put food on the table for their families and, you know, living, lo- losing loved ones in the most unimaginable way possible. Um, I hope we use that as a learning experience moving forward as a, as a culture, you know, to ask better questions of our fellow man and of ourselves to be better than we were when we went into this. So how do we ask those questions to be better on the backside of this and, and use it as a learning curve and a learning experience? Absolutely. And I think um, one of the craziest things to think about, and I remember when all this is happening, um, people were saying, okay, can we go back to like boring times? Cause I'm tired of living in history in the moment. Yes. And it's just so weird to think about that this conversation and these lessons learned and the weird habits we're going to create, um, from Mm. this, like, you know, our grandparents' generation, they were the people that stuffed money under their mattresses. My grandma would put money in her ceiling tiles. um, And we're going to be hoarding toilet paper. And we're going to be hoarding toilet paper, standing six feet from everyone and wearing masks all the time. And you're going to be, you know, Peepaw Pat and Mammal Molly. And you're going to be talking about like, when I was your age, you had to wear a mask I look like I have a cooler grandma name than that. Meemaw Molly. I don't know. I kind of got stick. But it's just so weird to think about. It's just so weird to think about how um, we're going to be uh, sub. We're going to be interview subjects for our grandkids' third grade project when they're going to be like Mm -hmm. talk about a historical event. And um, I, Holly, and I got our vaccine last week, and um, we actually I made a copy of our or she made a copy of our cards, and then we laminated the copy. And I wanted to make a copy. I wanted to laminate it because I'm like I want this to be something that like our grandkids can take to school um for show and tell or whatever because it's definitely going to be a historical thing one day and also living in history isn't necessarily a bad thing either it's also what you learn from the historical event and how you move on from life from it yeah i think that's the important thing mm-hmm. and it's how how are we going to move past this and what are we going to take it take mm-hmm. with us from this and i think that's the most important thing is COVID has had lots of bad and especially as healthcare workers, we have seen lots of that, uh, lots of the bad, probably more than our fair share. And this will be something that healthcare workers have to deal with for years and years to come. But also there's been lots of good that has come from COVID and we have to make sure we're finding the silver lining as much as we possibly can and making sure that we're caring for humanity as much as we possibly can. And that's my thing is if you're gonna take anything from healthcare workers it's that putting each other before yourself and knowing that yeah it's scary and yeah it might be uncomfortable but whatever you can do to help someone else is probably what's best for the world absolutely i can't think of a better way to end that man that was well said um i think that's a good you know ending you know this is kind of where we've been where we where we're at i think kind of where we're going and where we hope to go so I hope you can use this to kind of think about yourself and maybe use this time as you're listening to this to reflect um, on some of the things that 
you know, COVID has brought for you kind of where you were at, where you're at now and where you hope to go with this. So challenge yourself and be bold in your challenges and be bold and kind of as we look forward to the future. So. Yep. And the only thing I want to add um, unrelated related is if you're still looking to get a vaccine, if that's something you want to do, um, just about every major pharmacy um, is carrying them to a degree. Um, I got mine through a Kroger website. Um, they do a phenomenal job of setting it up. It's really user-friendly. Um, there still is a pretty good demand for it, so it may take you a minute to find one. Um, but if you're persistent, um, it's it's really well run. Um, wherever you're going, they're going to put a lot of thought and care into the logistics. They get you in and out in like 15, 20 minutes, um, and then you'll, you'll be back to it in no time. So, um, And also thank a healthcare worker while you're there. Yep. And if you want to like, yeah, and if you want to find one, um, don't necessarily have to just look at the individual pharmacies. You can actually go to like get the shop.gov or something like that. Um, and it'll actually you put in your zip code. It'll tell you all the like, it'll show you all the appointments available in your local area at all the pharmacies. So yep. um, just do that. Google it. And if you want one, get one. And that's how you'll, that's going to be your best option. Awesome. So cool. Thank you, Molly, for being on with us tonight. Thank you for what you're doing. We can't say yeah, that. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. All right. So we will see you next week.